Uh, well, I'll tell you what, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John, 1 John chapter 4, uh, verses 15 through 19. 1 John chapter 4, verses 15 through 19. Uh, you don't have any of these sills, so I may have to pull this up. You, I'll give you those. You can pull those up. 1 John 4, 15 through 19. The rest I will do my own. 1 John chapter 4, 15 through 19 says this. Great, great verses of Scripture. Um, and I want to share it with you. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. That's good. Gosh, go back to that. Whosoever confesses Jesus, the Son of God, God's in you. Think about that. When you confess that, God is now in you. Gosh, that's good. Go on, 16. And we have known and believed that love that God hath to us, God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Pastor Frank preached a great sermon on that. I'll talk about it in a second. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made in perfect love. Verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you uh, for Cash and, and the Kinder family, Chloe and Caleb. We ask, uh, as Pastor Frank did, a, a blessing upon their lives and a blessing upon Cash's life. Continue to guard and direct and lead them. And Lord, thank you for Living Faith Church. Uh, thank you for this time in your word. Thank you for this time in worship. Uh, challenge us, change us, point us towards you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Had a really pretty slide for this. I really did. Slide. I, I don't have no internet, so I can't email it to you. Uh, I don't even know what the password is here. I think it's the LFC Praise, but I ain't worried about that. Uh, the title of the sermon is, No Need to Reinvent the Solution. No Need to Reinvent the Solution. God is love, right? We sang about it. We rich and I read about it. Whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Think how powerful a statement that is. Think about that. Whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in you. Gosh, that's powerful. There, his, that is a great instance of love. That's an instance. That's, a, that's not a momentary, temporary love. That is permanent love. And that will measure our nearness to Him, and that's our confidence to Him when we love Him. The apostle here wrote, having said that God is love, it adds He is and then he says, so are we in this world. Pastor Frank, I think it was a Sunday night. We used to have Sunday night, Wednesday night. Some of y'all wouldn't know what to do. We had three church services. Seriously, we used to have three church. My parents made me go to church. I didn't get to stay home and watch Rudolph. Only reason I saw Frosty Melt is because it happened on Tuesday. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Frosty melted on Wednesday. I didn't catch it. You know what I mean? But people, I read a study, I told Pastor Mark this, I read a study the other day. The average, it's considered faithful church attendance in America three times a month. A month. Anyway, back to the Sunday night. Pastor Frank's here on a Sunday night service, and he reads from 1 John. He reads this, as he is, so are we in this world. Of course, you preached on that Jesus is reigning, and that he is, he is not, didn't use the word dominate, but he, he is in a place of authority 
and a place of power and that we are supposed to be in that same place of authority and that same place of power. As he is, so are we in this world. As he is. Not as Don is. Not as Kevin is. Not as Caleb is. As he is. Gosh, think about that. That's a powerful verse. As you are God, that's how I'm supposed to be in this world. I'm supposed to be reigning. I'm supposed to be above it, right? I'm not supposed to be below it. And Pastor Frank talked about that. I think that's probably the sermon he used, that you're lower than a snake full of belly full of BBs, right? You're lower than a snake full of the belly full of BBs, right? This is some good line. I mean, there's some one-liners. Uh, but I remember that sermon like it was yesterday. I really do. I remember. You did say that from the pulpit. I heard it. <laughs> you did. He did say it. But as he is, so are we in this world. We're supposed to be reigning. We're supposed to be victorious. But guess what? We're also supposed to be walking in love. So what this tells me in 1 John is Jesus is the solution. Jesus is the solution to what's going on in our world today. Jesus is the solution to what's going on in my world today. My world. Let's, let's forget about the big picture. Let's forget about D.C. or downtown and the governor's mansion. Let's forget about the mayor. Let, let's focus on us. See, when we look at, we like big picture, don't we? We like to point out what's wrong with everybody else. Man, there's something wrong with us if we're pointing out everybody else, right? Because we're not walking in love. We're not walking in love. Man, God, God, God says my, my gospel is not, is not sub, uh, subtraction, it's addition. And when I love him, when I love him, I, I, I'm no longer am living with minus. I'm living with positives. I'm living with a positive. And I remember a t-shirt that Scott Hinkle had years ago. Pastor Frank probably still has it. I say that because he still has our Living Faith Church softball shirt. And the hat. You actually have the hat. It had felt LF on it in gold. And it certainly was a trucker's cap, looking back. Because Pastor Frank has it. Um, you know something else he has? He also has a 1988 Fiesta Bowl sweatshirt. He does. It looks like he just bought it. It's in mint condition. How many of y'all seen him wear the 1988 Fiesta Bowl sweatshirt? It's white. It, I mean, it's pristine. It don't even look like it's ever been out of, the, out of a package, and he wears it every now and then. So he probably has that T-shirt. But Scott Hinkle had a, sold a T-shirt that says, Sin is the disease, Jesus is the cure. Sin is the disease, Jesus is the cure. It very well could have said, Sin is the disease, Jesus is the solution. He's the solution. He's the solution. Man. I declare to you today that Jesus Christ is the solution. He is the answer. He is the cure. He can, he will, and he does make a difference in one's life. No need to reinvent the solution. In my world I live in, there are problem solvers and there are problem creators. Unfortunately, there's more problem creators than there are solvers. Right? We got those who just create problems, right? They create them. I've had people come to me in my day job and say, Hey, I've got a I've got a solution. Okay, what what's your what's the solution for? Well, I think we could do this and we could solve this. And I look at them and said, That problem don't even exist. 
You ever notice that? There are people out there who have a solution for a problem that doesn't even exist. I think the mayor of Charleston did that a few years ago when she got recently elected. For one of the very first acts, she said, hey, we're renaming the Christmas parade. Remember that? We're not going to be the Christmas parade anymore. We're going to be whatever. Happy Day Parade. I don't know what she was going to name it. But the problem didn't exist. And so many people in our world create solutions to problems that don't exist. And then we like to water down the real solution. We like to modify the real solution. So often in life I hear people say, there's no way. There's no way you can overcome that. There's no way to get out of that situation. There's no way you ever get healed. There's no way you can ever succeed. Have you ever heard that? I want, to know, I want you to know that God has made a way. And His name is Jesus Christ. Jesus said the good news is to the poor. You don't have to be poor anymore. To the brokenhearted, you can be healed. To the captives, you can go free. To the blind, you can receive your sight. And those whose past has held you back, He can make it where you're free from it. That's the real gospel. That's the real solution. No need to reinvent the solution. No need to water it down. Now, I've been to restaurants. I think we were at a Mexican restaurant a few months ago. And we got there late in the evening. And I don't want to name which one it was. I don't want you to boycott it. But it was like 8.30 and they closed at 9. They must have been low on the old salsa. Salsa was real watery. Remember that? It was like... I mean, it was red, but that was about it. It was red water. <laughs> Not red, red wine. You know, the UB40 saying, red water. Right? They watered it down. Why? To extend it, to, 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 to get through the day. And, and so many times in life, people water stuff down to, to get through it. Right? Right? And that's all, we didn't even eat that salsa that night. We were like, can I have some cheese dip? You want a large or a small? Small, please. Large is $27. But they watered it down. They watered it. Now, if Greg Boggs is with you, get the large. Cause he's, don't even get cheese dip if Greg's there because he orders three of the biggest bowls they own. I don't even order cheese dip if Greg's eating with me because he'll have so much. i got plenty. But sometimes they water it down. They water down to extend. I've been in spaghetti shops where you could tell they didn't have a lot of sauce and they start watering it down. Right? To make it extend it. They try to dissolve the... They're trying to solve. And man, if your credit, if your sauce is your thing, don't water it down. If your sauce is your thing, don't water it down. And if your Jesus is your thing, don't water it down. Don't water him down. Don't water him down. Don't, don't let him change because you need him to change. Huh? Don't change him. He ain't changing. He ain't, I'm telling you, the Bible says Jesus Christ same yesterday, today, and forever. He don't, no, 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 hey, it's 9 o'clock, we close at 9.05, I got to water this down. Nope, that's not Jesus. Don't water that down. Two plus two is still four in my world. It's not five, it's not six, it's not could be three, it's still four. That's the solution to two plus two. I don't care what kind of new math, fuzzy math, I don't care. It's still four. I remember helping Claire with homework when she was in junior high, middle school, whatever they called it. Junior high. Junior high would solve a lot of problems. Sixth graders have no business being with eighth graders. Right? Sherman High School did it right. Seventh and eighth grade. You're by yourself. Right? Sixth grade, you got to dominate fifth graders in grade school. Right? Don't, but, but I'd look at that math and she said, that's not how the teacher did it. 
I said, but Claire, I got the same answer. But that's not how the teacher did it. Claire, I don't care. I got the answer. You know, I don't, I, I don't need to know 2 plus 2. I, 2 plus 2 is 4. 1, 2, 3, 4. I got that. I don't need to show a formula how I got there. I don't need that to modify. I don't need to reinvent the solution. That's what's going on in our world. We're reinventing the solution. And Jesus is the solution. He's the solution. The solution, it includes all that we need for life and godliness. In Christ Jesus, the real gospel is nothing we have to be ashamed of. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. I don't know how in the world we have reinvented the solution to get us ever to portray in Christianity like this. The world's Christianity is not pretty. There's a lot of flex in it. A lot of give, a lot of take, right? My gospel, there is no give and take in my gospel. The word of God I read, there is no... I mean, Jeff Castile's defense was bend but not break, right? It broke a lot. Uh, but this, the gospel doesn't bend but not break. It doesn't bend. You're, the word of God doesn't bend. We want it to bend, but it doesn't bend. That doesn't, uh, this portray, what we're portraying doesn't match what Jesus said and how we're supposed to live. Jesus said, believe the gospel. That's the good news. Did you ever notice how quick folks are to believe the worst? Hmm? They put it on Facebook as a prayer request. Don't they? They're spreading rumors. It ain't a prayer request. Right? We, we want to believe the worst. We always want to believe the worst. They want doom, gloom, and agony and despair. Right? We had that on Hee Haw. I heard that song every week on Hee Haw, Granny's house. They sit on that porch named Rocker. Doom and gloom and agony and despair. Right? I don't want that. I want peace, joy, love. Amen. That's what I want in my life. I don't want doom and gloom. I don't want doom and gloom. Granny did watch Hee Haw every Saturday night. Unless the Mountaineers were on. Then we were eating Fox Lux pizzas. Me and her and Uncle Jackie. Awesome days. Awesome days. I, I, that's what I get with Jesus. I get hope and joy and love and peace. How slow are we to accept good news? Hmm. I think I know why we don't like good news. Maybe it's because it's not your good news. Right? If it's not your good news, you don't really care about it. Let me tell you the world I live in. Wins are wins. Wins are wins, man. If, if, you're, if you're on a football team and special teams wins the game, nobody cares. Nobody cares when the kicker drains a 60-yard field goal. They don't, defensive line, they go, ah, he didn't get to win. Yeah, nobody cares when you win. And I think it's time for the church to start celebrating our wins. Cash being in this place today, I'm not saying you're not celebrating that, but that's a win. We should celebrate. That's the good news. Sometimes we don't celebrate wins because it's not our win. If it was my win, I, don't know, I feel a little different when I'm winning, right? We feel a little different when we're winning. I'm a firm believer that a win is a win, and winning should be celebrated no matter who gets the win. Let's celebrate. Let's celebrate. We see people so often take the bad report and they run with it. They run with it. They immediately go to Facebook. They tell everybody. It's like pulling teeth, though, to get people to testify about the goodness of God. Right? It's a whole different world. They don't want to testify. I heard some testimonies growing up. I'm just an old unworthy worm. How many of you ever heard that? Right? 
I'll never forget, I was in Bible college or Bible school down New Life Victory Center. Pastor Darrell Huffman was teaching that class. And he, he brought up that very point. He said, the next time you hear somebody stand up in church, say, I'm just an old unworthy worm. Right? He said, when you see him at Kroger the next day, say, how you doing, you old unworthy worm? <laughs> he said, you might get punched in the face. But you know what? They stood up and told the whole church. Right? I was an unworthy worm. And I'm still somewhat unworthy of his mercy and grace, right? But because of what Jesus did, because of that love we just read about in 1 John chapter 4, ah, woo, I'm not a worm anymore. I may look like a worm, smell like a worm, and act like a worm, but now I'm Jesus. Jesus loves me. This I know. Why? The Bible tells me so. We just read it in 1 John. So be what you say you are. Most Christians have been believing and reporting the wrong news. Christianity is not about what you give up. It's about what you get. It's what you get with Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. Gosh, we don't preach that enough. He gave. You and I should have something, a real and lasting life with God. That's not to take away from you, but it's putting the emphasis on him. The gospel isn't subtraction. It's addition and multiplication time, not subtract and divide. When we try to reinvent the solution, we only subtract and divide. He gave the right to become children of God. He gave us that right when we accept and we believe Him. Jesus is the solution. No need to try and reinvent Him. All I must do is receive what He gave. I don't have to try and convince God that I'm good enough. He sees me as good enough through His Son, Jesus Christ. My job is just to receive and walk in it. We go through life surrounded by people who are all looking for something. And when they're looking, they want to reinvent the gospel. Reinvent Jesus because, well, it just fits here and now. It fits where I'm at. Right? It fits where I'm at. People typically try to reinvent Jesus when it's not convenient to live the way the Word of God tells them. Look, if you thought it was wrong in the past, guess what? It's probably still wrong today. If 10 years ago you thought, like, I would never do that, and then today you are, it's probably still wrong today. Right? It's just being honest. That's the gospel. That's what the Word of God tells us. Don't reinvent the solution. Don't water him down for you. It doesn't work that way. We have a tendency to want the gospel to fit us rather than the, we fit the gospel. We want to water it down because it helps ease our conscience. I told y'all, I tell it all the time. My mom will get a kick out of this now, but I remember as a kid growing up, those cow gone commercials. The water's boiling off, the phone's ringing off, the dogs are barking, kids are screaming. Everything that's going on in that little kitchen is going crazy. And she says, cow gone. Take me away, right? And the next thing you know, she's got bubble up to her nose, and it's just so peaceful and quiet and quaint. But you know, I never understood about that commercial. Just outside that bathroom... The water's still boiling, the kids are still screaming, the dogs are still barking, right? It's still chaos. Calgon didn't take you nowhere, it just got you wet and sudsy. You just raised the water bill, that's all you did. You get out of that, it's still out there. The only thing you take away is Jesus. It doesn't quit the kids from screaming, or the dogs from barking, or the water from boiling, or the phone from ringing, but it'll make you more tolerable. He can make you more tolerable in that situation. 
I believe there are four things that make people want to water down Jesus or to reinvent Him. Because, well, that was so 2,000 years ago. The Bible's outdated. Pastor Mark said this a year or two ago. We were in a sermon. It's amazing how an outdated book could change our lives. Right? Unwanted pregnancy doesn't happen outside of marriage, does it? Right? If you're married first, you don't have unwanted pregnancy. Right? Abortion's not an issue in the marital sense, right? There is nothing unwanted. There's no accidents. There's no oopses. Right? There's a lot the Word of God teaches us. And I am thankful that cash was not aborted. I'll be honest with you. They were given that option. They were given an option. You can abort. We were given an option with Lauren 22 years ago. She might have Down syndrome. Can abort. Right? Claire's family didn't have to leave her in a place she could be found. Right? You can choose life. The Word of God chooses life. Chooses life. But it's not outdated. It may seem outdated because it doesn't fit where you're at, but it hasn't changed. You've changed. I've changed. We've changed. But the Word of God hasn't changed. Hasn't changed. Real quick, four things. Four things that I think the world's looking at and then four counters to those four things. Love. Everybody, they water down it because they're in love. They do it for love. Everybody wants to find love. They want to be in love. Love songs are all over the radio, aren't they? You know what else is all over the radio? Breakup songs. (laughs) Am I wrong? I mean, some of the greatest love songs ever, there's a breakup song right after it, written by the same guy. It was a bigger hit than a love song because he talked about the breakup from the love. I have no problem with love. Um, Dolly and Whitney sang, I will always love you. I will always love you. Right? They did. They did a great job. Elvis sang, can't help falling in love with you. Aerosmith sang, don't want to miss a thing. Yeah? Don't want to miss a thing. Celine Dion said, my heart will go on. He died, though. <laughs> Think about it. That's a sad love song. He didn't make it. He f- fell to the bottom. Terrible. Marvin Gaye said, ain't no mountain high enough. Right? Queen says, crazy little thing called love. He was right. Queen's right on that. They were right. Brian Adams says, everything I do, I do it for you. Robin Hood soundtrack. Meatloaf said, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. (laughs) It's true. Love is in the air. Love. That's why a lot of people water down. That's why a lot of people try to reinvent the solution for love. Love in the natural can do two things. It can strengthen you or it can hinder you. That's all it does. It either strengthens who you are or it hinders who you are. Do not reinvent Jesus for a relationship. Jesus needs to be the relationship that is the building block for all relationships. Number two, status. People want to reinvent Jesus or water down, get the sauce to go a little longer for status. Anxious to matter. People are anxious to matter in life. They want to matter. And they're willing to compromise certain areas of their lives because they want to matter. They want to matter. We all want to say we've arrived. 
We all want to know, be known or remembered for doing good on this planet. We want to be in a nice position. We want the letters beside our name and our email signature like PhD or BA or BS. Well, maybe you don't want BS. Uh, MD. You want those letters besides your name and your email signature, right? We want status. We want the social and professional fame in our lives. It's a dog-eat-dog world, right? We're all wearing dog-flavored boxer shorts. So many people want to reinvent Jesus to help them attain this status they seek. They want a little Jesus, but not a lot of him. It doesn't work that way. My gospel doesn't work that way. No amount of personal accomplishment can become the source of your spiritual strength. You can attain the highest mountain in your professional career. That accomplishment does nothing for you on a spiritual sense. And I'm not taking away from status. I've been blessed with a nice position with the company I'm in, but that position doesn't define me. Jesus defines me. He is my definition. His gospel, His love, as He is, so am I in this world. Number three, I think people sell out or water down or want to reinvent Jesus for possessions. Possessions. It's not He that... that, There was another T-shirt we grew up... Man, the 80s and early 90s, we had some really good Christian T-shirts. We really did. There's one that said, he that dies with the most toys still dies. <laughs> right? So I said, I this guy laid over dead. You know? It was brutal. They were brutal, right? My other favorite was, uh, those who seek God for the midnight hour died at 11.58 or something. Shows a guy dead with bubble gum on his flip-flop. Right? Didn't make it to midnight, right? Uh, but man, he who dies with the most toys, you still die. That's it. That's reality. And people will reinvent or water down this gospel message because they want possessions. They want things. There's nothing wrong with with having things. I want to tell you that. But this is right behind status. Once we have status, we feel we can have stuff. And all the stuff that makes us cool, the title, there's nothing wrong with having a title as long as the title doesn't have you. And there's nothing wrong with having stuff. Right? But the stuff can't have you. Number four, I think future. People want to water down and reinvent the gospel because of their future. Their future. We're saving, we're planning, we're preparing. Right? Everyone wants a future, do we not? Right? If you want, if you want tomorrow to arrive, you want a future. They want to live as long as we can. We want to retire early on a beach or on a mountain with a log cabin on it. Now, you're somewhere in the middle. You either want a beach house or you want to own the whole stinking mountain with a cabin on it. Right? Stock with trout at your pond. Fish whenever you want. But that's what we want. We spend lots of time, though, worrying about the future. The very thing we are longing for, we dread. Think about what I just said. We long for the future. We long for it. But we also dread it because we're afraid of it. And a lot of people water down and reinvent the gospel for their future. And there's nothing wrong with any of these four things. I'm actually going to show you all four of them from a biblical perspective real quick here this morning. I believe the Christians should be seeking the same thing that the world is seeking. Only we have found it in Jesus. Number one, love. 1 John 4, 17 told us this morning that love perfects us. Love perfects us. It perfects us. God is love. He loved us so much that he sent his one and only son to save us. The great commandment tells us to love God and love people, right? Living faith church style. You ever notice people have been robbing our logo, our slogan? I go to every church now in the Canoa Valley, and I'll say, love God, love people. It's like, man, we've been there, done that, bro. (laughs) 
We used to have a banner across the back. We loved God and loved people before anybody else did. You can't be loving God and loving people like we love them. That's why you're all here today. Because we love them better. I hope so. We try. But man, they're stealing it. But that, you know what? I want everybody to love God love people. That's the gospel message. That's the gospel message. I'm going to start taking selfies out in front of church as I see that. And tag Living Faith Church. Been there, done that. But you can be enthusiastic about loving God and loving people. And that is important. But love is what will change the world, not my enthusiasm. Right? My enthusiasm doesn't change the world. But the love of God does. My love in the Lord and Savior does change the world. Words can't say what love can do. Who said that? Bon Jovi, not Gospel of John. Your love does more than your words. They will know we are Christians. How? By our love for one another. Unlike the love the world seeks, God's love gives you strength, it gives you hope, and it gives you connection. Love isn't love until you give it away. The world needs to see the love of Christ. Be a Christian by your actions, not just by your name. This love is a love that creates a relationship. We love Him first. Amen. Number two, status. The same thing that the world is seeking when they try to reinvent the gospel, where they try to reinvent the solution. The Bible says in Colossians 1.27, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Oh, that's big. That's big. Christ in me. The hope of glory is living inside of me. It's big stuff. This may sound tricky, but as Christians, we should pursue status. Not as the world does, not, but knowing who we are in Christ. We have certain rights that belong to us as children of God. We are kingdom builders, number one. We build the kingdom. Jesus never talked about building a consensus. He talked about building a kingdom. I want to be known, my status in the spiritual, I want to be known as a kingdom builder, one who's building the kingdom of God. And the good news is God's invited all of you to join. He's invited us all to join him today. I didn't have to find him. He found me. Think about that. So many people, and that's the difference. Those, those four things, when, the, when you're trying to reinvent the solution and you're out there searching for it, you're searching for the answer. When you're a Christ follower, you already have the answer. The answer found you. I don't have to go find the answer. Jesus found me, Daryl. He came to me. He said, you're good enough. I found you. Now, once we have that relationship, I now have access to some really cool things, the Word of God tells me. I now have a source that I can plug into. Jesus charges me. Right? He's my charger. Now, y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm going to ask you a question. I did this in youth. When do you panic? When do you panic? At what percentage do you go, oh! Right? At what percentage do you go, where's the charger? Right? One percent. Y'all lie. Y'all on battery safe mode. Y'all don't get to one percent. Right? I've seen my house. You would have thought the, the charging cable was the ark of God. Right? You would have thought the charging cable was just the key to every pleasure in life. Everything you ever wanted. It, had a, it was a key to a vault with a million dollars in it. Right? So we did that survey in youth. The average teenager was around 25%, if I remember correctly. They got to 25%. 
My wife somehow gets a negative 1%. I don't know how she does it. <laughs> Kelly's got the only phone that says negative, and she still works. It's like, how do you do that? Right? But some of you freak out. You, you laugh when I say God charges me, but some of you freak out when this phone gets to 50%. Or what if? What if the power goes out? Right? Right? I mean, some of you got cases with battery. Anybody have the case with the battery in it? Raise your hand. Rocky does. Anybody else got a case that the battery's built in so you don't ever have to worry about charging? Just Rocky? Rocky is the only cool person in the building. Uh, the, rest of you, the rest of you are putting all your faith in a cable made by some man who you hope had a really good day, right? Because they break really, really easy, right? But God charges me. When I say he charges me, I hope you get that in this generation we live in, this cell phone generation where we have to be fully charged all the time, right? We're always fighting for a cord so we can charge our phones. Jesus charges my life. That's my status. He is in charge of my life, and he charges my life. He energizes my life. That's the status that we should be seeking. He fights for me. He intercedes for me. Why? Because I believed and I received. As he is, so are we in this world. That is a status, maybe not on earth, but that's eternity. That's status for eternity. What Moses only saw, listen to this. The three Hebrew children only stood beside. The one who closed the lion's mouth, the one who shook the walls of Jericho, now lives in me. <laughs> he lives in me. He's inside of me. The three Hebrew children, they, can only, they only stood beside the Son of God in the fiery furnace. Daniel, he only closed the lion's mouth, right? Moses got to see it. He lives in us. That status, that status, the creator is in me. The hope of glory is in me. That status. Number three, possessions, possessions. Man, this is a tricky one too, but I believe as Christians, we have possessions according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have stuff that we have that no one else has. Number one, we have the precious blood of Jesus guarding our lives. Right? It's, Peter told us it's precious. In Second Peter, he told us it's precious. It's precious to the saints of God because he loves us. He cares about us. He understands our needs. He's always near to help us. He paid the ultimate price to save us. He didn't turn us away, but he saved us by his amazing grace. We have that precious blood that heals us, that sustains us, that delivers us, that frees us. That's a possession we have. We also have this precious faith, the word of God tells me. It's complete and it's free. It's open to everybody. It's totally the work of God. And it's fail-safe for eternity. Considering the precious nature of our faith, we should never be guilty of taking it for granted. But promote it. We should protect it against the evil of our day. We are called intolerant and narrow-minded. But according to the Bible, that's okay. Because the gospel doesn't bend and the gospel doesn't break. It doesn't change. Don't reinvent the solution. Jesus is the solution. There are over 7,000 promises in the Word of God. Every promise God ever made, He's willing to bring it to pass in your life if you believe and you receive. Peter tells us those promises are precious. 
There's a promise of His love in Jeremiah 31. There's a promise of provision in Philippians 4.19. There's a promise of His grace in 2 Corinthians 12.9. There's a promise of His peace in in John chapter 14.27. There's a promise of His presence in Hebrews chapter 13.5. In this world which we live, there are very few things you can hold on to. People change and their promises fail. But the promises of God will never fail. That makes them very precious and valuable. And amazing possessions to have. And Matthew 7 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these things. Everything that everybody's running for. Everybody, everybody's running things down. Everything that everybody's watering down the solution. or trying to reinvent the solution for. Will be added unto you when you seek the kingdom first. And number four, future. Jeremiah 29, 11 is what everybody quotes. But Kevin and I had a long conversation a while back about verse 10 comes before verse 11. And nobody wants to read verse 11, verse 10, do they, Kevin? I thought about it. You know, I was typing that. Kevin was like, man, you're going to read verse 10? Nobody wants to talk about that. <laughs> it's true. And here's what it says in Jeremiah. Can you pull that up still? Jeremiah 29, 10 and 11. 10 and 11. This is good. It's really good. We like 11. We got Bible verses. We got post notes. We got keychains. We got T-shirts, right, about verse 11. But, man, verse 10, you got to get through 10 to get to 11. Jeremiah 29, 10 and 11. For thus saith the Lord, after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word to you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. They were in captivity when God gave them verse 11. They had to get out of 10 to get to 11. And some of you just want to go straight to 11. You got to get out of where you are to get to 11. And I'm not saying take down your key ring or your, all your post-it notes. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you got to come out of where you were to get to the promise of the future. You just don't get to quote the promise. I got a future. <laughs> you better get out of captivity first. Huh? You better get out of captivity to get to your future. That's just good. Future. The whole Bible is based on us getting home to the Father. The salvation plan for man. The intent is none will perish, but some choose not to follow Christ. I'm just being honest with you. Some do perish. I don't make that call. They make that call. To get the future, you must go through Jesus. He is the door that we all must enter. That may sound narrow-minded because it is. I'm not, I'm not apologizing for that. John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father unless they come through me. Today is much more important than later, though. I do want you to know that. Why is that? Because your choices today affect your later. Life is a required course. You know, when I was in college, they made me take a physics class I didn't want to take. I don't want to take physics. Well, if you want this degree, you have to take physics. Okay, I'll take physics. Right? It's kind of how it works. It's a prerequisite. Life is a prerequisite course. You have to take it. You don't get out of it. There's no shortcuts through it. There's no side entrance to to heaven. Jesus, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Life's a required course. So if you've got to go through life, if you have to take this course, let's give it our best effort. Let's give it our best effort. The prerequisite to a future in heaven is accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That's the solution. 
I can't reinvent that. I can't water that down. I can't change that. But Don, y'all hear me share the story all the time. Airplane's going down. We're all grabbing our parachutes. And Bill Fleshman says, I don't like green. Bill Fleshman has a green parachute. I don't like green, Don. Bill, that's all we got, bro. <laughs> it's either green parachute or perish, right? And there are people that will go down with the plane so they don't like the collar of the parachute. shouldn't be about the collar of the parachute. It should be about the opportunity to be saved. And that's the world we live in. They're complaining about the collar of the parachute. I don't like that. Red don't look good on me. You're right. It don't. But still put the parachute on. Right? That's your way out. That's your salvation moment. That's how you get rescued. Superman's not going to swoop in and save the plane. You got to jump with the chute on. That's your rescue. No one is in a neutral place when it comes to salvation. There is no neutral. You're either saved or you're not. We all have the same problem. We were born into sin. The good news is we all have the same solution. And his name is Jesus Christ. Today we saw Cash dedicated to the Lord. The first nearly four months of his life has not been normal. It's probably the simplest way to put it. Is that fair, Chloe? Simplest way to put it. Poor, poor Cash. So every day in the hospital you had to put a, get one of those pink stickers... Even Chloe, even though she had like access to the whole place, she had keys to the whole hospital. She could get anywhere at all times. She had she had badges that would go through doors that I thought only surgeons could get in. But she still had to have a purple sticker, and she saved every one of them. She saved them all. I said, "What are you doing with that?" She said, "I'm going to show you how much I loved him." <laughs> she said, "I'm going to have a book, 109 days of stickers, right, to prove to Cash this is how much I loved you, right? This is how much I loved you." On the outside, he looked like a healthy, normal baby. Physically, he looked perfect. But what we could not see with our eyes was his heart was the issue. It took being in the right place with the right people in the hand of God to repair what was defective. When we want to reinvent the solution, I think we have a heart issue. On the outside, things look great, normal. But on the inside, there's an issue that needs addressed. You know, this water bottle, I don't know if y'all see this. I do think Ryan and they bring a water bottle for Mark or Pastor or myself every Sunday. Sometimes we open it, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we take one sip and kick it to the curb. This water bottle weighs about a pound, right? Does that sound about right? 16 ounces. Maybe a little more than a pound. Now, I can sit here and hold this for the next five minutes and have no problems, right? They don't believe me. Y'all can try this when you get I thought about giving everybody a water bottle, but y'all have probably spilled it, got all over the carpet and all that stuff. Some of you have drank it before we got this point in the sermon. You're like, it's really light. It's empty. Lucas, I'm buying Luke and, Lucas and Ethan a, water bottle, a case of water for their birthday. That's what they're getting. All they do is play water bottles. Yeah. But holding this bottle seems fine. Out like this, I can hold it. It's just a pound, right? I can, I can carry this. I got this. It's not too bad. 
But do it sometime. Try hold it for five minutes in the same position. Just this little old water bottle. Try hold it. It's already starting to get heavy in my hand right now. I can already feel a different sensation. Why? Because it's, it's constant. And I'm holding it, and I, I seem fine. But it's getting heavy. Think about five minutes or ten minutes or an hour of just holding this one little water bottle. It gets really heavy. And so many times when you're trying to reinvent the solution, you're holding something, and it starts to get heavy because there's a heart issue. It's getting heavier, right? I can tell you right now. It's tangling up my elbow, right? And it's just a water bottle, right? But when you have to constantly hold something in the same space to put on the same face or to put on the same act or to look the same way or to look right, it gets heavy. It gets heavy. I want you to know today, you don't have to reinvent this solution. You don't have to reinvent Jesus. You don't have to reinvent him. He loves you just the way you are. Doesn't mean you don't have to change some things. The gospel requires change. It requires us to change. We can't, when you encounter Jesus, you can't stay the same. When he called them fishermen out, they, they didn't stay with their fishing boats. They left everything they had and they followed him. It's really getting heavy for the record. <laughs> but that's what happens in our life. We, we're carrying it around. It looks normal. Y'all are so used to me holding this water bottle now, you think it's just part of me. Guess what? It's starting to go up my shoulder right now. It's heavy. And so many times in life, we try to just carry things on our own rather than giving it to God. Rather than giving it to God. It can be tough. My past is forgiven. My present makes sense. My future is certain. Why? Because He lives. I can be at rest. Jesus is the solution. He is the final answer. I want to close with the Bible verse. Very familiar verse of Scripture. Second Chronicles. Chapter 7, verse 14 says this. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. That's a solution from the word of God. We have to turn from our ways, my ways, my lifestyle, my choices, my decisions, my path, and look to him. The Bible says he's the author and the finisher of our faith. Let us pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for this time in your word. Uh, we thank you for this service. Lord, I ask you that I know this was a hard word. I know this wasn't easy. But it's something we all need to hear. It's something we all need to listen to. And it's something we all need to apply. We don't need to reinvent the solution. Jesus, you don't need reinvented. You don't need watered down. You don't need taken down a couple notches. We need to come to you. Bless us in this time of altar call. Change hearts. Change lives.